Harvest Church, how's it going? Welcome to the 10 a.m. service. <laughs> Just psych. No, I, someone in my ear, Tim's like, it's nine. I know, it was because of the time change. What's up, guys? It's so good to see you all. Would you stand with me as we get ready to worship? Our dear Amanda is, uh, she's, um, she is, uh, she's arrived in the States, but she's, uh, she's not quite here yet. So thankfully I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to fill in for her this morning. So excited to be here with you guys and uh, excited to worship with you. So let's, uh, let's do that. Okay. 
church. Our Lord is in the place this morning. It's a good morning to be in church.
Let's Welcome pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, that you that, that began a good work in us, Lord, will not stop until you've completed it, Lord. Lord, you're a God that never gives up, Lord. Lord. We thank you for your unending love, your unending grace, your unending mercy, Lord. God, you are so good. Thank you for this time to worship you, Lord, just to take take a break from the, from the thoughts and cares and concerns of this world and just lay them at your feet and worship you, Lord God, because you're so high above all these things, Lord. So we set you on high, Lord, this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks, y'all. Let me take a seat. Thanks, worship team. Well, hello, my name is Jeremy. I'm the youth and family pastor here. Um, normally, Curtis is giving the announcement, but he uh, got a little under the weather today, so that's why I brought my cheat sheet up here. But uh, welcome to Harvest. If this is your first time joining us, we're so glad you're here. We have an info center in the back that we'd love for you to check in and fill out a communication card. We want to find out more about you and find out how you can plug into Harvest Church. Uh, it's just a great family, a great body of believers, so uh, we're glad that you're here. Um, this, this week's a, a pivotal week. We have elections coming up on Tuesday, and, and many of you have maybe already pre-voted, pre you know, sent in your ballot that came in, but some, some of you haven't. And so uh, we want to take and, and acknowledge just how important this uh, voting is. It's a, it's a privilege that our country has. Um, and so we want to encourage you uh, to get out and vote your biblical and Christian uh, values. Um, biblical worldview is, is the way that we see the world through the frame and through the understanding of the Bible. And we at Harvest Church, we want to encourage you to, to have a biblical worldview. Let, let the Bible shape uh, how you interact with the world around us. Uh, you know, the way that we spend our money, the way that we give our time, where we put our time in, our, the things that we value in our lives. All those things can be framed within our biblical worldview. And so there's just some, I mean, there's definitely some propositions that California is facing, Proposition 1 being one of those, where uh, we are called to vote whether abortion should be made a legal right. And, and the law is, is written in a way where it's, it, it could be at any age that that baby could be terminated in pregnancy up into the point of birth. That's a scary, scary thought that our, 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 our state is leading the the nation with this making abortion a right. So let's get out and please vote your biblical worldview. Um, uh, we have a few ways to, to find out more about the different laws. There's, there's a lot of stuff. stuff. I don't have time to research every single candidate and every single uh, proposition. So what we have in the back is there's a QR code, and you just go scan that QR code, and it takes you to Cal Matters. And I, I pulled it up on my phone. So uh, it's just a nonpartisan voter guide. Uh, it's what you need to know, and it kind of gives you a brief, like, this is what you're voting for if you vote for this candidate or, or that proposition. So it's just a good resource. Another resource we want to point you to is Shannon Kessler. She's in back over there by the Info Center as well, and she's, uh, she's definitely done her homework, done her research, so she's a great uh, person to go to just to find out more about uh, how to vote your biblical worldview. So with that, um, definitely voting is a freedom and so uh, or privilege, so definitely take that on. Um, we want to say thank you to all the people that donated candy, that uh, volunteered for our harvest or carnival festival. It was a great, great turnout. If you weren't here, we had, I, I, I approximated at least 3,000 people walk through these doors. 3,000 people. It was phenomenal. Uh, we handed out 
over a thousand gospel tracts and invitations to our church, along with, you know, lots of candy. Um, but it really was amazing. So we have a quick uh, video to show you just a recap, and I'll, I'll pop back up after that. Thank you to everyone who voted. I mean, or first to voted. Everyone who came through and helped out, you know, from the greeters at the door, just smiling and handing out tracks, to the popcorn, you know, makers who couldn't keep up with the demand for the popcorn. Thank you all. It was a great, great event. So, um, real quickly, we have a little more, a few more details on the Harvest Women's Gathering. Uh, that will be Friday, November 8th, uh, from 6 to 7.30, 18th? 18th, okay, 18th, sorry. Okay, November 18th, 6 to 7.30 in the chapel, and that's all women. So junior high and up, um, please come join all the women in the, and gather in the, job, in the chapel. It'll be a great time. And you're asked to bring a finger food, finger food, not fingers, bring a finger food and share and, uh, to share and to bring a friend as well. So there's that. Um, Hurricane Ian relief is still going on. We're still gathering money. I think last count was over $22,000 our church raised to help out those who are hurting. Um, that is still going on. You can go to the info center. And then last but not least, Operation Christmas Child Boxes will be due next week. Uh, so that's uh, November 13th. And we're asked to bring $10 to help with the shipping costs for that. And then, and then if you want to go above beyond just making a few boxes, uh, if you're interested, there's going to be a packing party down there uh, at the Operation Christmas Child um, uh, packing center, and that'll be December 9th. And so our church is leading, taking a team down there as well. More info at the info center. And uh, last but not least, we have one more video to show you. More video. Upon entering the processing center, a greeter will meet you inside the entrance doors and check in your group. Everyone in your group is encouraged to complete their volunteer waiver online to accelerate the check-in process. Once your group is checked in, you'll be assigned a place to serve. The majority of our volunteers will be placed at a shoebox processing table where boxes are inspected and prepared for shipping. If placed at a shoebox processing table, you may be an inspector, taper, scanner, or cartonizer. Every step in the shoebox's journey is important, as is your role at the processing center. If you are placed on a processing team, your team coach will provide instructions and more details for each volunteer position. Often these instructions change yearly, so getting updates from your team coach is very important. We also have a number of other important volunteer positions, so we appreciate your flexibility, as every position is vital to processing. Other volunteer roles in the processing center may include serving in a support role for the processing teams in areas such as the shoebox hospital or providing filler items to the team. It's critical to the mission for you to keep your appointment. However, if something does come up and you cannot find someone to take your place, be sure to communicate with your team leader as soon as possible so that they can reduce your numbers in the online reservation system. 
updating the reservation allows us to get you through the check-in faster when you arrive at the processing center. It also helps us to organize our on-site systems to process shoeboxes in the most efficient way possible. Finally, your group leader will be receiving an electronic information packet that will provide additional information such as parking instructions, hotel options if needed, and other important information. We look forward to seeing you this processing season. Be sure to check our website for the latest information about Samaritan's Purse and Operation Christmas Child. Thank you again for your partnership in bringing good news and great joy to children all over the world. All right, so just a great way to help serve. Uh, that'll be December 9th, down, I believe down in Fullerton or down in that area. Uh, so a great way to just grab a team from Harvest Church, head down there and uh, serve uh, the world, really. So now's a great time to say hi to someone around you. We're going to take a little time to meet and greet, and uh, we'll gather back up in a minute. God bless you guys.
on we're on good morning so many amazing things that are happening uh just so many opportunities for us harvest church um so overwhelmed by the halloween outreach last week Holy cow, 3,000 people coming through. And uh, at one particular booth, the Good News Club booth, the uh, leader um, of that booth actually, from what I understand, she, she was prepared for 800 students to come through. And each student that came through was told the gospel message before they could play the game. And so she personally shared the gospel with 800 kids. And uh, so be praying for those young people. It feels like my microphone's a little hot, Tim. Um, so be praying. Thank you for that. Be praying for those seeds that are planted. The scripture says, Paul planted Apollos water, but the Lord brought the increase. And so we all have a role to play in planting seeds and watering seeds, but it's God who brings the increase. And so let's be faithful to pray that God works through those gospel seeds that have been planted in those young people's lives. And for the over, I think it was over a thousand gospel tracks that those tracks aren't just tossed <laughs> in the circular file, but they're actually, that they find a way to stick around in the people's homes so that they stumble upon them and have the opportunity to read those things. So be just... Be mindful. There's a lot of work after the work, you know, just spiritual work that needs to take place. And so be praying for those things. Hey, a lot of you have been asking about my Hume Lake trip. And so I had a great time up there for about 16 hours. I think it was 16 hours total from the time that I left here and got back here. It's about 16 hours. I get up there and uh, I get up there. It's dark and um, I can't find the cabin. It's pitch black up there. And uh, so I finally locate the cabin and uh, Settle in, have some dinner, and go to, talk to my wife, go to sleep. Next day, get up, and my wife calls and says, hey, Marv's in, going into the hospital. So <laughs> my father-in-law was struggling, and so he was going to get picked up and uh, by the ambulance and go to the hospital. So I loaded everything back up in my truck and came home, and uh, so I had a delightful drive up and a delightful drive back. And uh, so it's been, uh, it's been interesting, but I feel refreshed. I, even though I didn't have the four days that I planned to be up there, I still feel totally refreshed and so great. And Curtis, Pastor Curtis did a great job uh, filling in last week and uh, he just did a, just a wonderful job bringing the word out of First Peter and we're going to be picking up where he left off. He talked about be behaving like believers and so we're going to be talking about the same thing today, behaving like believers part two. So we're going to be picking up in First Peter chapter two and we'll, we'll kind of go start going to go back from verse 9 all the way, hopefully, through the end of the chapter. So with that, let's pray. Lord, we just invite you to, God, just speak to us as we open up your word. Lord, we, just, we want to be available, and God, we just want to have ears to hear, and uh, so we pray that you'd speak to us. We pray that you would reveal your truth to us in ways that we can get it and understand it in our season of life. Um, just wherever we are in life, Lord God. And people are just dealing with all kinds of stuff today, good stuff and hard stuff. And so we just pray your grace would be upon um, our lives as we sit here in honor of you and uh, just longing to worship you and also just be encouraged by your word and by your spirit and by your people. So be glorified, we pray. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. 
Amen. So kind of a recap, 1 Peter chapter uh, 2, verses 9 through 25, Peter is writing to believers. And so if you're a believer here today, he's writing to you. And if you're not a believer today, God is wanting you to become a believer. He loves you. God loves you and wants you to know him and wants you to follow him and wants you to serve him. So Peter is writing to those who believe in Christ. And, be, and, and the truth is, because we be, belong to Christ, we belong to one another. And so it's so beautiful for us as a church to gather each Sunday. And throughout the week, really, we, there's dozens of groups where people are gathered throughout the week in homes and on the campus here, where people are just gathering for prayer and for fellowship and for Bible study and all kinds of stuff. And so it's just great to know that we're part of something bigger than just ourselves. We're part of the believers, the, the family of God who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, as we re read through this opening portion of 1 Peter chapter 2, we, we begin to see how Peter, what Peter writes about who we are in Christ. And I think it's understand, uh, helpful for us to understand who, who we are in Christ. What, if we're going to be, behave like believers, we need to understand who we are so that we can begin to behave like believers. There's something empowering about understanding who we are. So first and foremost, we are called chosen people. We'll read the verse here in just a moment, but we're called chosen people. How does it feel to be chosen? It's a pretty good thing. Like I remember growing up in school, you know, when teams were being picked, and it was always like the athletic kids or the intelligent kids or the popular kids who were getting chosen first. And you're just hoping somewhere in there that someone's going to choose you. Like, and then if you don't get chosen, like there's odd numbers, you're like the last one standing there. And you're like, I ah, just go play with that team, right? Someone will just kind of grab you out of, you know, obligation, right? You, just, you have to be honest. So the, the good news about the gospel is, is that we've been chosen by Christ. He is he sees value in us because we're created in his image, because he loves us, because he just longs to lavish his grace and his truth upon our lives. So in, in Christ, we are chosen. In Christ, we are part of God's people. We are God's chosen people. Also in Christ, you are called royal priests. Now, it just keeps getting better. Like we are chosen, but now we're elevated in stature. We are called royal priests. Priests are those who represent the person of God. The, the, but the word that we get priesthood, the, the word that we get priesthood, the word that is derived from actually doesn't mean, it doesn't mean like vocational pastors. So we think priesthood, we think pastors, but this is not the what this word means. It actually means all of the people of God who have been washed by the blood of the lamb who are in Christ are actually priests of God. We are the priesthood of God. In Revelation 1, the second half of uh, verse 5 and 6, it says, all glory to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by shedding his blood for us. He has made us a kingdom of priests. Isn't that sweet? We have this special relationship to the king, and we represent to the world our king. We are priests of God. He has made us a kingdom of priests for God, his father, all glory and power to him forever and ever. So in Christ, you are part of his kingdom. You are chosen. You are called. You're uh, another definition describing who we are is we're a holy 
nations. Isn't that interesting? We're a holy nation. As a holy nation, we are a people called to reflect the character of God in the way that we live our lives. And so we're chosen, we're priests, we've been, we've been called a holy nation. So we're a part of something bigger than just our own little lives and the way that we live our lives. We're a part of something bigger. I think that's helpful for us as believers to know that we're not in this alone. We're chosen with all of God's people that we're, we've been given responsibility as the priesthood of God and we're a holy nation. Also in Christ, you are you're God's very own possession. Isn't that neat? Now God owns everything, so it doesn't seem very special, but it speaks, it kind of gives us a picture of Eastern kings. Eastern kings, they had the wealth of their nation, but they also had their own special treasury to be used for their own purposes. And so as we think about being God's very own possession, it's really a sweet thing. In Christ, we belong to God and we are his special possession. We are put aside for his own special use. So we've been chosen. We've been given a, a priesthood. We're part of a holy nation. We're pr a prized possession of God. There's just something powerful about getting a, a solid understanding of who we are in Christ. In Exodus 19, 5 through 6, exactly two months after Israel left Egypt, Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he heard from the Lord. Exodus 19, 5 and 6 says, Now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure. So we see this in the Old Testament. We see this in the New Testament. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The gospel truth in the Old and the New Testament is the same. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenants, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is my message you must give. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. So as God spoke to Moses, he was given this message, and this message was to be communicated to the people. And that message still needs to be communicated to us this day in Jesus Christ. So again, throughout the Old and the New Testament, we hear God's, well, we hear his thoughts toward us. We are given a new an important identity. We are new in Christ. We don't just, when we become Christians, we don't just kind of add that to our lives as something else, like I'm a plumber and I'm a Christian, right? We don't add it to our lives, but it's, it's like a transformational process that takes place. We're actually called, we're, it's actually called being born again. So we've got new life, new identity, new responsibilities, new possibilities. Amazing strength and grace is available to us in Christ when we recognize who it is that we are and who it is that we serve. So for those who have made Jesus Christ their Lord, we have a God-given identity. Let's take a look at 1 Peter 2, 9. Again, it spells it out for us again, but you are not like that. And we kind of jump in. So what is the writer saying? He's not like, he said, you're not like that, the disobedient. If you read the context of the text, what the writer is saying, he's saying, you're, you're not the disobedient. That's not who you are. In Christ, this is who you are because you've 
trusted me. This is who you are, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, because all of this is true, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And we, boy, we can think about our past, whether that was yesterday or last year, God rescued us out of darkness, depravity, a place of sin and selfishness, a place of lostness where we didn't know God and he rescued us and he brought us into a place of light where we can see our desperate need for him and be grateful and live a new life in Jesus Christ. Verse 10 says, once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now (laughs) you have received God's mercy. So in light of all that has been written up to this point and in light of all God has done in our lives as believers, believers, we are given direction for our lives. We're given kind of marching orders. Like, and these are exciting things because it's, they're eternal things. They're fruitful things. They're things that God is calling us to that will last forever. They will stand the test of time and stick with us and go with us through all eternity. So we'll see three areas of life where God is calling his people to behave like Believers. So we've titled the message Behaving Like Believers, Part 2, 1 Peter 2, verse 11 through 25. It says, Dear friends, I warn you, this is Peter writing, and this is Peter who had an encounter with God and, and then kind of backslid and struggled with his faith when Jesus was arrested and being pers- persecuted and, and, and getting ready to be hung on a cross. But Peter struggled and And then he woke up (laughs) and realized that God had still put a call into his life and a purpose into his life. And so maybe you're here today and you need to wake up to the reality that though you've struggled, God's still got purpose for you. You believe in Christ. Though you've struggled in your words or thoughts or deeds, God will give you the grace to get victory there and to move forward in Jesus Christ as those who as those who believe and who are being transformed. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. So number one, behaving like believers means we refuse to adopt this world's way of living. So there's the the world's way of living, and then there's God's way of living. And so believers actually behave differently than people in the world. We're actually called to a better way of living, a more holy way of living. And God gives us the grace through the presence of his Holy Spirit. He fills us with his Holy Spirit, empowers us with the with the presence of God so that we can do what he's called us to do. So uh, this verse talks about how we are temporary residents and foreigners here. So we're just like passing through. The King James Version says we are strangers and pilgrims, temporary residents. Strangers refers to those whose home is 
somewhere else. And in this context, it refers to those whose home is heaven. So we know that we're just passing through and this place is not our home. And that's hard for us to get and really to live in the day-to-day because we feel, I mean, in the natural, I mean, this is our home. We're building lives and careers and we're buying homes and we're building lives and families here. And so it's hard to keep that perspective that this place is not our home. But we're, we're here for a season and for some that season is longer than others, but this is not our home. We are actually just passing through. We are foreigners and pilgrims in reference to heaven as our native country, our forever home. A, a foreigner or pilgrim is one who sojourns or visits on the way somewhere else. Have you ever had a very long layover at an airport? Now, years ago, Pastor Ron D and I, I think it was on our first trip to Israel, we, um, we had this layover and um, we were in Zurich for hours and hours and hours and hours. It, you know, I just said, hey, you stay here. I'm just going to go walk. And, and so we eat lots of good food in Zurich, but you can only eat so much food until you're just ready. You're just like ready to go home finally, right? And that how it feels here. You're like, man, life has been so good here, but I am just so ready to go home. I just want to be home. There's no place like home. It's like when you go on vacation and you have just an amazing time. I don't know about you, but it's always so refreshing just to be at home in your own place with your own pantry and refrigerator and your own bed and all all your comforts of home. There's just no place like home. So this is like a, a very long layover here. We got, you know, we got stuff to do in this layover and things to enjoy and to experience, but we got to remember that this this life is not our home. Uh, there are things that we endure here, loss, death, sickness, uh, great disappointments and difficulties. And it's helpful in those moments to remember that, hey, we're passing through. And while we go through difficult things and we go through glorious things here on the earth, we are just passing through. So we need to be Behave like believers while we're here, meaning, meaning we need to refuse to adopt this way, this world's way of living. In our statement of faith as a church, I talked about um, our core values and kind of what we're all about, our purpose statement. And then I said, we're going to kind of go through our statement of faith. And so what I decided to do is just kind of unpack our statement of faith as I teach through the, the scripture as we move forward week to week. And so I'll, I will highlight different things. And so part of our statement of faith is a, a topic called the church. And it's important for us to kind of understand God's perspective about the church. And this is what our statement of faith says. The church, the universal church is the living spiritual body of which Christ is the head and all Regenerated persons are members. We believe in the spiritual unity of believers in our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, it points to the fact that while we gather here at Harvest Church in this space at 102 West Branch Street in the village of Arroyo Grande, others around the globe are meeting as well. I remember going to New Zealand a number of years ago, in 2014, my son was there going to school and they were having a pastor's conference in New Zealand. So it was a, it was a win-win. I get to go see my son and go to the pastor's conference and... Uh, I just, I, I knew when I was there that I was, I was representing the, 
family of God. I, I know the mission of the organization that he was with at the time, and they wanted to see all of New Zealand um, evangelized and come to faith in Jesus Christ. They've got a, like a, a, a bigger than average, bigger than normal uh, expectation for God to do something radical in their nation. So I, I carried that with me when I was there. I thought, man, I, everything I do has got to reflect what they're trying to do. So as a Christian, I'm part of the church. And so while I'm here, I want to make sure that everything I'm doing is supporting the work of the gospel in that nation, in that community, and in that nation that I was visiting. There's something, something big about what we're a part of that is a bit weighty, but it also keeps us steered in the right direction, moving in the right direction. In Romans 12, 4 and 5, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. So we all belong to each other, and we all belong to Christ. And so as we pray for the work of Harvest Church, we're also praying for the work of God in churches in our community and in our county and in our state and in our nation and in our world. We're praying in big ways for God to do big things and prayers that we won't see answers to until we get to the other side when we're in eternity with the Lord. We're going to be able to see the fruit of those prayers. And this is why we partner with organizations who are trying to minister uh, regarding Ian and regarding the Christmas boxes that we're trying to get to people all around. We realize we're partnering, linking arms with like-minded people who are trying to be gospel-focused and do something fruitful for the kingdom. So because we belong to Christ, this place is not our home. And so we need to be thinking constantly, Lord, how am I making this place my home and not thinking properly about my real place, my real destiny, my real home, which is heaven. As temporary residents and foreigners, you are to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul, the scripture says. Worldly desires are those sinful or fleshly desires that actually do harm to our souls, our, our souls are our mind, will, and emotion, those things that damage us as believers. And so we need to be careful that we're not participating in things that are actually damaging our soul. Galatians 5, 19 through 21 helps us to understand what those things kind of look like. And we get this list of things that Paul writes about in Galatians that really nail down for us what those sinful things look like. And so we'll just read Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, <laughs> drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so, as we look through what Paul writes in Galatians, we ask the question, how do I avoid, how do I avoid these things? So we just read Galatians 
5, 19 through 21. And so as we look at the warnings there, it's important for us to understand how we avoid these things. And so I'm just going to kind of go through an exercise with you, and I'm going to open up to Galatians chapter 5 because it helps us. i got to know which direction to go in my Bible here. Galatians chapter 5 because the context of a particular verse will help us to understand the verse, but it'll also help us to understand how to live out the verse. And so there's the immediate context of what is written here in Galatians 5 that will be helpful for us to understand how to do what God has asked us to do. And so in, I'll just, so I read verses, this is just a little exercise here that you can all do. So I was reading verses 19 through 21. Everybody understand what I'm doing here? So I want to understand now, I just read this. Sometimes we read stuff and we're like, Lord, what do I do with this? Well, we just have to go to the scripture because the scripture will help us to understand what we do with this. Scripture interprets scripture. As we understand scripture, we understand what to do with scripture. So I want to back up because the immediate context would be verses, like a few verses before and a few verses after, roughly. So we, start, we read verses 19 through 21. I'll read verse 16. It says this. I'll just read right up to it. It says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The, the sinful nature, nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two desires are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Holy Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. Whoa, what does that mean? We're not under the, I don't know. Let's take a look. So in my study Bible, it's just a thin line study Bible here. I'm looking at verse 18. So I'm going to go to my notes down here in the middle in the center there. Oh, and there's a verse. And so these verses in the middle um, help, help us to understand what Galatians 5.18 means. And so I'm going to look at just the first verse. It says Romans 6.14 so I'm going to go back to Romans 6.14 because it's helpful to understand the scripture from the scripture. So what was it again? Romans 6.14. Thank you. Thank you. Let's see if I can find it in here. It's really small writing. <laughs> I've got new glasses coming, but these are going to have to work here. <laughs> Way too many people identify with what's going on right now. Sin, so again, this is Romans 6.14. Sin is no longer your master. Huh. For you no longer live under the requirements of the law. What is the law given to us to, uh, what, what's the law for? The law is given so we might recognize how sinful we are, right? We, we're given the law in Scripture so we realize our desperate need for God. <laughs> Right? So, sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. It says right there, of course not. Don't you realize, <laughs> not my words, God's words, 
Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever sin which leads, uh, you become a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teachings we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. Right? Isn't that good stuff? So we read Galatians 5.19, it's like this heavy list. Like, what do we, Lord? <laughs> but when we allow the Holy Spirit to control our lives and realize who we are in Christ, that we're free, that we're no longer slaves to sin, but we're free because of God's goodness in our lives, we can live differently as a result. And so when the Holy Spirit controls our lives, we do the things that please the Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's not controlling our lives, we don't do the things that please the Spirit. So when we talk about just kind of living differently and behaving as believers, it's, it's just very practical stuff. I was uh, at the hospital recently with my mother-in-law, and she needed a, a CT scan and an MRI. And uh, so I take her in. She's in a wheelchair, you know, so I got to help get her on the table and that sort of thing. And, uh, and so I'm just kind of talking with the MRI specialist, the, the guy doing this. And he said, hey, why don't you come in and you can watch as we take pictures while your mother-in-law's in, in the MRI. And so I'm in there and I'm like, this is incredible. Have you ever seen an MRI? I mean, like behind, like, and, and it's amazing. Like you get to see all of the brain and vertebrae and um, everything. I'm like, okay, this reinforces my belief that we are, <laughs> we, there's an intelligent designer <laughs> who actually designed us. Like this can't just happen, right? <laughs> there's intelligent, intelligence behind our design. I just felt like I needed to say that just to maybe plant a seed to the guy, because I don't know if he's a believer or not, but I, I know that I got to at least say, hey, this is not because of a, you know, a big bang. <laughs> this is not chaos coming into order. This is just God's good plan and design. And so anyway, we finish up and Margaret comes out and we get her back in her chair. And I, I asked the technician, I said, hey, real quick question. I noticed that when we were scanning my mother-in-law's brain, it was very, very small. And I just wonder, is that normal? And she's, she's looking at, and the, the technician went right with it. And he said, well, that's something the doctor's going to have to talk with her about. And <laughs> he knew I was joking. And of course, Margaret knew I was joking. But uh, is, if you're going to harass anybody in your life, you know that you got to harass your mother-in-law because it's expected. And she fully expects it. And she, she looks all innocent, but she dishes it out <laughs> as much as she takes it in. So... <laughs> Let's get back to 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. And so we have, as citizens of heaven, as believers, we have this responsibility to behave properly. And God outlines that for us in just about every book of the Bible, probably every book of the Bible, there's instruction for us, for our behavior, and then God empowers us to do that. And then we need to realize that people are watching and they're looking at our lives, wanting to see, I think just maybe wanting to see if what we believe is genuine and if it's really life 
changing. They're wondering if this is something that would be good for their own lives. And so they're watching our lives. And so we have the opportunity in just the day-to-day living as believers to be salt and light in our world, pointing people to Jesus. Behaving like believers, part two. Number one, behaving like believers means we refuse to adopt this world's way of living. And number two, behaving like believers means we respect everyone, love the family of believers, and fear God. And we get that from chapter two, verse 17. But before we get there, verse 13. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king as head of state Or the officials he has appointed, for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. And so we see in these sections of scripture that we are to submit, and that word keeps showing up, and it's not a fun word, right? Like nobody nobody really wants to submit, right? (laughs) Like I can submit to God halfway okay most days, but I don't want to really submit to anybody. But my flesh resists it, right? But God calls us to submit. And the word submits or submission has the literal meaning of stationing oneself beneath someone else. And so regarding the other person as superior to one's self. So believers (laughs) are to submit to governing authorities, We have this responsibility to submit to governing authorities. But I love the scripture because in the scripture, it shows us that even though we have this responsibility to submit to governing authorities, we're not to submit to the point of being, you know, like a doormat where we're being overrun, having our liberties trampled upon. That's just not my opinion, but that's what we see in Acts 25 where the apostle Paul, he's actually falsely, Accused, And so we'll see what the Apostle Paul uh, does in reaction, in response to this. And we'll kind of jump in the middle here. Acts chapter 25, verses 6 through 12. Again, Paul is falsely accused. About eight or ten days later, Festus returned to Caesarea. And on the following day, he took his seat in court and ordered that Paul be brought in. When Paul arrived, the Jewish leaders from Jerusalem gathered around and made many serious accusations they couldn't prove. Paul denied the charges. I'm not guilty of any crime against the Jewish laws or the temple or the Roman government, he said. Then Festus, wanting to please the Jews, asked him, are you willing to go to Jerusalem and stand trial before me there? But Paul replied, no, like he's standing up for his lawful rights. No, this is the official Roman court. So I ought to be tried right here. You know very well I'm not guilty of harming the Jews. If I have done something worthy of death, I I don't refuse to die. But if I am innocent, no one has the right to turn me over to these men to kill me. I appeal to Caesar. So Festus conferred with his advisors and then replied, very well, you have appealed to Caesar and to Caesar you will go. And so Paul's very respectful, but he's also very aware of the fact that they're trying to railroad him. And so he's saying, listen, lawfully, this isn't lawful. I haven't done anything wrong. And so I'm not going to just roll over so that you can do what you want with me. And so we have a responsibility to respect governing governing authorities, but we also have the the opportunity 
And it's not rebellion, rebelliousness in Scripture. If we do it right, it's an opportunity to stand up for what is right lawfully in our lives. Let's continue. 1 Peter 2, verse 15, it says, It is God's will that your honorable life should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. Isn't that a paradox? You're slaves of God, and yet you're free. Listen, I'd rather be a slave to God than a slave to sin any day because as a slave of God, I'm free from the power of sin in my life. For you are free, yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. This is where we get that second point. Respect everyone and love the family of believers. Fear God and respect the king, behaving like believers, number three, and then we're going to wrap it up here quickly. Behaving like believers means doing good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. Interesting. So in the Christian life, we will experience suffering, persecution, difficulty, challenges to our lives as believers, and increasingly so as times go on. And it's interesting, in the scripture, Paul addresses slavery, and he's challenging the people within the context of the first century, because slavery has been a part of humanity's history forever and ever, amen. This is what he says, you, are, you who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect, and some would say, well, you kind of look at this in light of employers. And you can do that, but um, most employers aren't going to beat you if you do wrong. They'd maybe like to beat you if you do wrong, but they actually are not going to beat you. So there's, a, there's a, a, a connection there. Like we can look at this in light of employee-employer relationship, but this is a slave and a slave owner kind of scenario here. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you. Not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. So only one point in scripture does Paul say, hey, in 1 Corinthians 7.21, he said, are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it, right? So if you get a chance to be free, take it. Be, don't, you know, volunteer, get a chance to be free, take it. Now, there's good and bad slave owners throughout history, right? Some will treat their slaves well and others, and even as part of the family, and others will treat them poorly. So Paul's saying, hey, if you get a chance to be free, be free. But if you can't, then this is how you're actually supposed to live in relationship. For God, verse 19, is pleased when, conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. So I don't want to overstate it, but it's a, a passage that challenges us to live right, even in unjust circumstances. Like we don't have the responsibility or the freedom to be acting unjustly or unrighteously, even if the circumstances. Now, we can stand up for our legal rights and do all of that sort of thing and follow what Paul did and follow his example. But if we're stuck, we, we actually have to do what the scripture says and submit to that authority. 
Verse 21, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. So now we kind of bring it full circle. So we are believers in Christ, in the finished work of Christ, and we are believers because Christ suffered unjustly for us to welcome us into the family of God. He, he died in our place so that we could be forgiven, so that our sins could be forgiven. So Christ suffered unjustly so that we might have eternal life. And so he's saying, listen, if you need to suffer in this life, suffer as I suffered. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. So again, we may experience some mistreatment here in the earth, but this is not our home. We're just passing through. And so we endure it to the best of our ability. If we can get into a better scenario, we do. But in life, there are just difficult circumstances that we must walk through and we must honor the Lord. We must behave like believers as we're walking through those difficult things. Verse 24, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds, you are healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered away, but now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. And that's where Peter wraps up chapter two. And so we're challenged with difficult things to honor the Lord and behave like believers in difficult circumstances, but God will give us the grace to, to do that and actually will reward us if we choose to do that in his grace and by his power. So with that, let's go ahead and uh, get ready to take communion. And um, so communion is done the first Sunday of every month. And communion is a a remembrance of Christ and his death on the cross 2,000 years ago. And we're told in the scripture to do this as often as we remember. So I'm going to be reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And it's just a refresher for us each month so that we can make sure that we're remembering who we are and why it is that we are who we are. We are who we are as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ because of the sacrificial work that Jesus accomplished on the cross. So if you need elements, they're being passed out now. Who needs them? Anybody? Way back, way back. So I've got a couple. I could probably chuck them over to you. <laughs> Who needs them? Oh, really? So there we go. There we go. Now, Ro, Ro you need one, right? You got one? I know, but I, some people think it's disrespectful. <laughs> I, I can't throw that far, Dave. So somebody get Dave back there. All right, 1 Corinthians 11. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. Don't take the, the elements yet, please. We're gonna do things a little bit differently today. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this 
bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So before we take the elements, uh, let's just do some business with the Lord. So Lord, we take the elements remembering what you did for us on that cross as our substitutionary atoning sacrifice. You died in our place, taking the sins of humanity, my personal sins upon yourself, and you died for me. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. So if you're here today and you've been distant from the Lord, and I would just challenge you and encourage you, don't, don't take the elements, don't remember this sacred moment without coming clean before the Lord. Coming clean before the Lord means simply repenting of your sin and word, thought, or deed. You're, you're repenting of actions that, behaviors that don't reflect who you are as a believer. Maybe you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus. You've never accepted the sacrifice of Jesus. You've never welcomed the blood of Christ over your life. I just encourage you, if that's you today, don't take the elements until you give your life to Jesus. And if you're not ready to give your life to Jesus, please don't take the elements. Just let this moment pass. But I would encourage you that in Christ there's new life. In Christ there's forgiveness of sin, mistakes, past failures. In Christ you are born again. In Christ you are adopted into the family of God. In Christ you are chosen. You are a royal priest in Christ. In Christ you have, uh, you're part of a holy nation. In Christ, in Christ you are a brand new person. So if you're here today and you want to give your life to Jesus, you just simply do it this way. You say, Lord, I I invite you into my life. I'm not, I'm not even sure exactly what that means, but I invite you. I know that I need forgiveness. Lord, I, I believe what Pastor Steve is saying, and I believe that your grace is sufficient. I believe that the word that is written in the, the Bible is accurate, and I, I believe that your, your, your grace is sufficient even for my needs, Lord. And so would you come into my life would you be Lord and leader of my life? Would you save me and, and then begin changing me and sanctifying me? Lord, would you make me more like you? I just want to give you my life, all my life, all every part of it. I just give it to you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let's invite the worship team up, and we're going to take a moment. And as they arrive, just when you're ready, open up the elements and Take them in a spirit of prayer and submission to the Lord and gratitude for what he's done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus.
you, Jesus. next church.
say, come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. So come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul. Cause you've got a lion inside of those lungs. Get up and praise the Lord. Sing it one more time, church. Here we go. Oh, come on, my soul. Don't you get shy on me, lift up your soul. Cause you've got a lion. declaration father of worship unto your name so lord we just we thank you we want to say thank you for this time Lord, that we could just come before you time that we could gather as a family jesus and so as we leave this place this morning father be with us father i pray that you would just fill us from within lord as we walk out into this world jesus that we would just be your vessels father that we would just be light in this dark place jesus we love you and we thank you for this time and we just pray these things in your precious and your holy name amen